Now, we know that people in the medical profession and politicians may have a different view of what these provisos may say. But rest assured, we are not medical professionals, we are not politicians, and any decision that we make will be based purely on the rule of law. This is Understand South Carolina, a news podcast from the Post and Courier. I'm Emily Williams. A lot has happened in the two weeks since we talked about the reopening of South Carolina's schools on this podcast. COVID-19 cases in schools quickly rose, and some schools have started to transition temporarily to virtual schooling again because of the high number of students and staff who either have the virus or have had to quarantine. South Carolina also now appears to have the highest per capita COVID rate in the United States right now. Today, we're revisiting the issue of mask mandates in schools. That debate reached the state's highest court this week. The South Carolina Supreme Court heard not one, but two school mask mandate cases back-to-back on August 31st. A decision on one of those cases came down just a couple days later on Thursday afternoon. The court struck down a mask mandate for schools in the city of Columbia. We'll explain why and what that ruling could mean for other South Carolina schools. Post and Courier Columbia reporter Stephen Fastenau covered those hearings and that decision, and he's with us this week to break it all down. I'm Stephen Fastenau. I'm a reporter at the Post and Courier in Columbia. I cover the city of Columbia and Richland County. So why can't South Carolina's public schools have mask mandates right now? So the base of this is a budget amendment that was passed in June as part of state legislators' annual budget, Proviso 1.108, a budget amendment that says no school district or any of its schools may use any funds appropriated or authorized pursuant to this act to require that its students and or employees wear a face mask at any of its education facilities. Prohibition extends to the announcement or enforcement of such policy. So basically, you can't use state money to enact a mask mandate. Now, what are public health officials saying about having students wear masks in schools? Sure. Well, the consensus seems to be that it is effective. The CDC, American Academy of Pediatrics, and DHEC recommend everyone two years and older uh, wear a mask when they're inside school, even if they're fully vaccinated. As you all mentioned in a previous episode, studies have shown that masks can be effective in limiting spread inside, even when spread in the community is, is high. So public health officials seem in agreement that masks are a good idea. So the city of Columbia was the first to kind of challenge this measure that, like we've said, is, is really keeping school districts from imposing a mask mandate. So the city passed a mask mandate August 5th. What did that say? There's an emergency order, so it's in place for 61 days, and it requires that masks be worn at all elementary and middle schools and daycares within city limits by teachers, students, staff, and visitors. Um, the order doesn't apply to high schools. I guess their their aim is to protect children who are not yet eligible for the vaccine, which uh, most high school age students are. I mean, at the time, Mayor Steve Benjamin and some council members said that local governments had this right, that state officials aren't doing enough to protect children who aren't yet eligible for the vaccine. This is about our children. I do believe this is the defining moment of leadership uh, in which we're able to shake uh, partisan shackles and uh, to indeed uh, stand up for those of us who are defenseless. 
the mayor and some others were saying that they were prepared that this could be legally challenged, right? That they'd have to fight to defend this mask mandate. Right. And they said that essentially local governments have the authority to protect their citizens under under their emergency powers and that they're prepared to defend that all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. So not long after that, Attorney General Wilson responded. What did he have to say about Columbia's mask mandate? Attorney General Alan Wilson said essentially that this is not a debate over public health. It's not a political debate. It's about the rule of law. And in that sense, that the city's ordinance is in direct conflict with state law. And then he threatened legal action if the city did not change or repeal its ordinance. And then Richland County kind of followed suit with a mask mandate. Was that pretty similar to the one in Columbia? Or were there any differences with that mandate? No, that was very similar. And that was intentional uh, to try to make enforcement uniform, you know, a little easier so there's no confusion within the county and within the city. So the county passed their school mask mandate August 16th. So the state Supreme Court heard two school mask mandate related cases this Tuesday. What were those two cases? And also, how did they make their way? to the state Supreme Court? So the first case is Alan Wilson's lawsuit against the city of Columbia. Both sides agree that it should be heard quickly. Schools in session, decision needs to be made on this was basically their reasoning. The Supreme Court agreed to hear that. Richland School District 2 filed a request for an injunction to allow the mask requirements to continue until a legal determination could be made or to find these budget provisions unconstitutional. And the court decided to hear both of those the same morning. So they were heard back to back the morning of August 31st. We'll be back with what happened at those hearings right after this quick message. Hi. I'm Avery Wilkes, a projects reporter for the Post and Courier Columbia. As journalists, we work hard to hold powerful people accountable for the decisions that they make and how they affect others. And we have a track record of investigations that have brought about real, tangible change in our community. But that kind of watchdog reporting isn't free. It's time-consuming and expensive. To pay for it, we need people to subscribe and support journalism with real dollars. Help us keep going. Learn how to subscribe at postingcourier.com slash subscribe. So there's a lot of different arguments at play, right, coming into this Tuesday hearing, these back-to-back hearings. First, can you just describe how those proceedings played out and also how were people able to follow what happened? Right. So that's certainly the first thing that stood out is one thing, the public is still not allowed inside the court during these proceedings. They still have COVID precautions in place. They're streamed live on South Carolina ETV, which is how we all followed along. Another thing that was said from the outset is that Chief Justice Donald Bailey said, you know, you'll notice where none of us are wearing masks, we're vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you may also remove your mask. So it's kind of you're in this situation where you're debating these these school mask requirements and health officials are saying that masks should be worn indoors regardless of your vaccine status. And then the place where this these cases are being decided, everybody's without masks. But as far as the proceedings themselves, they're pretty lively and the judges kind of often interjected and asked a bunch of questions, challenged attorneys on both sides about a number of things they were they were arguing. 
So the hearing about Colombia's mask mandate was first. Let's kind of lay out what each side argued in this case. So we've talked a little bit about what the attorney general's arguments have been, but how were those expressed in the hearings? What maybe seemed to be some points that judges were asking questions about or maybe agreeing with? The key point being debated was whether it was possible for the city to enact and enforce this mask requirement without using state funds, which is kind of what the provision requires. Deputy Solicitor General Emory Smith argued for the attorney general's office Basically, this was a matter of law that the city's ordinance is in direct conflict with that, you know, violations, if they were enforced, would go to municipal court first. But then if they went further than that, they'd be in a state-funded court. Teachers are on the front line of, you know, they're naturally going to be on the front line of enforcement. Their salaries are paid out of the state budget. So basically, they're saying the state-appropriated money touches everything that this, this mask requirement would need to be enacted. It doesn't take too much of a reach to conclude that teachers would be at the front line of this in their classrooms. The teacher would be up to the teacher to say, put your mask back on. You, you didn't respond to my request to put the mask back on, so you go down to the assistant principal, and there's a line forming the assistant principal of all the school children who are sent down there. And then if uh, the, the, the children still fail to... Uh, obey, then there are disciplinary sanctions, possibly the involvement of the school district board of trustees in hearing appeals from disciplinary action against the school. And then on the side of the city of Columbia, what were the city's attorneys arguing? How were they responding to to any of those points from the attorney general's side? They made the point that, look, more than half of Richland One's budget is local money or federal grant money, that state-appropriated money I believe they said makes up only a little more than a third of, of the county budget. So it's kind of who's to say which money is being used, you know, what, what money is being used for what purpose. And as to the issue of enforcement, the city attorney, Chris Kenny, said that state money would not be used for, for enforcement. He said city fire officials are currently going around trying to educate school staff and students. They're kind of a public relations campaign with the fire department mascot, who's a fire dog, Sparky. You know, the, the city attorney said if, if teachers are enforcing this, they're already being paid to be there. And then asking a child to pull up a mask is, is just a very small part of their day and doesn't amount to any special action on their part or extra expenditure of state funds. With respect to the proviso, this court was correct in Cresswick that what it does is it restricts the use, the use of appropriated or authorized funds by school districts. What the city of Columbia has done here is they have taken the obligation of funding and enforcement upon itself. The second hearing of the day started shortly after that, involving Richland II. What were some of the main points of that hearing? So we're explaining how really that first one was about whether or not a mask mandate could be enforced without directly using state money. What was kind of the main theme of that second hearing? So one of the primary arguments from the school district was that the budget provision was too vague. There are too many questions associated with it, how it would work, and that it should be thrown out. It's unconstitutional because it's not clear enough. And that the fact that they're arguing that in the Supreme Court was evidence of, of that fact. The school, school district's attorney, uh, Carl Solomon, made the point that the district has an $80 million reserve fund that's yes, includes some state money, but it's from previous budget appropriations that aren't part of this current budget provision and aren't affected by this ban on on mask mandates. So there's kind of a back and forth between the judges and, and Solomon about how that works. Richland too has $80 million sitting in a bank account. 
from funds appropriated prior to this year or from local funds. Those cannot be reached by this proviso. But where it does bring us is to a list of ifs and whats that take us down a rabbit hole and an abyss that we can never figure out as a district. What can we do? There's an Orangeburg family, uh, a mother and her children who are who are part of this request, who had a separate request of the court, and that was to challenge a separate state budget provision that caps the number of students in a district that can do virtual learning at 5%. So that was another aspect of this case. Basically, they said that provisors were unconstitutional. In part, they denied students the right to a free education. As it stands, she, like many um, others in this state, are in an impossible situation. Her children have been in the same school district for their entire lives and now face a new dilemma. One of her children, a man too young to be vaccinated, has a respiratory illness that makes him particularly vulnerable to COVID-19. Her children's school district cannot meet her needs on two levels. First of all, it cannot provide virtual schooling because it's at its capacity for virtual schooling. And secondly, it cannot make in-person schooling minimally safe enough uh, for her son to attend. A lot of this, it sounds like, comes down to the fact that in South Carolina specifically, schools not being able to, or or at least not knowing if they're able to enforce mask mandates comes down to this budget issue. And that the state legislature said that state funds can't be used to enforce mask mandates. Where were things left at the end of the day on Tuesday? So there's no decision announced on the day of the hearings. There's no indication from the justices when that decision might come. I've been talking to a couple people afterwards, I think, you know, it's clear there's there's kind of a sense of urgency here. They, they want to get something done quickly to give everybody guidance on how to proceed with the school year since we're already a couple weeks into it now. So sometimes we cover some pretty quickly developing stories on Understand South Carolina, especially when it comes to the pandemic. And this is definitely one of those stories. After recording that first conversation with Stephen on Wednesday, the South Carolina Supreme Court issued its decision on Columbia's mandate Thursday afternoon. So we called up Stephen again. So the main takeaway from the decision is the city's school mask mandate is void because it conflicts with the state provision that bans school mask mandates that are funded with state money. The other practical effect is that Richland County, which had a similar rule, has said it will stop enforcing its mask mandate as well. Would this also apply to any other similar mask mandates that are in place or maybe were about to be put in place at other schools in South Carolina? The court did not address this as a blanket issue. They said the state provision is not a blanket prohibition on masks. It's prohibiting mask mandates that are related to state money that was appropriated in the current year's budget. So they left open the door for rules to be tailored in a way that don't conflict with with the state language. Were there any dissenting opinions in the court, or was this fully agreed upon? So it was a unanimous decision. The judges decided the same way that this was the conflict and the city's rule was void. They just differed a little bit on their reasoning, which, you know, was kind of interesting. If you go read the opinion, there's there's opinion for the majority. Justice Kittredge wrote and a couple of the other justices who agreed with the main gist of, 
of the majority opinion had other thoughts that were kind of interesting to parse through. Now, this was a decision about the first of two school mask-related cases that they heard this week. Has there been any decision on that second case that was heard? There's no decision as of the time we're recording this on the Richland 2 uh, request for an injunction. It's unclear whether they might view, you know, whether the court might view this decision as as being responsive to that request. I think there are different enough cases that they would decide the other one on their own. So still wait and see. Have we heard anything from the city since this decision was made? So Mayor uh, Steve Benjamin had a statement fairly quickly, as as you might expect, that disappointed in the decision, the city will continue to act in the interest of the health and safety of children. They called this a sad day for children in South Carolina. What's even sadder is the people who have been elected to protect them, who should always and only act to keep them healthy, educated, and alive, won't fight for them. That's a direct quote. So he's you know, seemingly pointing at the, the state lawmakers who, who enacted this provision, not the, not the judges who decided this case. We also learned this week that the U.S. Department of Education has opened a civil rights investigation in South Carolina and four other states over the issue of mask mandates in public schools. The agency is trying to figure out whether South Carolina's rule discriminates against students with disabilities and underlying health conditions who are at a heightened risk for COVID-19 because they're prevented from safely accessing in-person school. Like we said at the beginning of this episode, South Carolina's COVID case rate is the highest in the country right now. We've also learned that in the last couple of weeks, which aligns with when many of the state's public schools went back in session, coronavirus cases have been rising the most among children. Those case numbers were highlighted during a briefing by the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control on Wednesday. Since August 21st, the 11 to 20 age group has recorded the highest number of new cases in South Carolina. The second highest group are those ages 0 to 10. Like we mentioned earlier, rising cases are also taking some students out of the classroom already. As of September 1st in Charleston County, seven schools had shifted to temporary virtual learning because of a rise in COVID-19 cases and quarantines. Other schools around the state are doing the same. Visit our COVID-19 dashboard for the latest news. We will link that in today's show notes. If you have questions about the Delta variant, vaccines, mask rules, or anything else related to the pandemic or other news, let us know. Email us at understandsc at postingcourier.com or tweet us at understandsc. Thanks so much for listening. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or on Twitter at understandsc. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll see y'all next week.